Our scripture lesson today, and many of you are already there, is Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or get your Bible app out and scroll down to Colossians. We're in chapter 1. And we're going to begin our reading in verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant. Almost every other translation uses the word minister, which is where we get the title of the lesson today. I have become its minister by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect, the word is mature, in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. If you've downloaded the notes, you see that the title of the lesson today is, Yes, You're a Minister. You may have driven by a church one time. I remember seeing a church sign that says, Pastor, and it gives the guy's name. And then it says, Ministers, all the members. That is correct. Minister and pastor are not synonymous. Every one of us is called to be a minister. You have heard me say through the years, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. That is to say, you are to use your gifts, your abilities, your skills to be involved in the lives of other people and to help them. So regardless of your job, that's the platform God has given you to be in ministry to serve and build into the lives of other people. We have music to sing with on Sunday because Carolyn has self-taught herself to play the piano for us. Those of you who are watching online are able to do that because several years ago, a man in our church named Mike came to me. He has computer background and audiovisual background. He said, you know, I could record the services and we could put them online. You're watching them now because that's his ministry. For years, Miss Norma, a lady in our church, cleaned the church as her ministry. God has given us abilities, skills, interests, talents to use, not just on ourselves, but to use to reach out and impact other people's lives. That's called, biblically, ministry. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we have different gifts, we should use them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, to each one a gift is given for the common good. In other words, the gifts you have are to benefit others. 1 Peter 4, 10, each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others. So depending on your gifts, your skills, your abilities, your ministry, and probably the simplest definition of ministry would be involvement in other people's lives. 
your ministry will take different forms. Not everybody's ministry is the same. And we get into trouble sometimes with that because we think, well, you know, if you're really serving God, then you'll do this. Well, God has given each of us a different ministry, a unique ministry that only we are able to do. You know, I, I don't mean that exclusively. I mean that God has abilities for you to use that he wants you to use. And if you don't use them, he'll either raise up somebody else to get it done, or it might not get done very well. And so it's our responsibility to use the gifts and the abilities that he's given us to minister, serve, be a blessing to the other people in our lives. Having said that, Paul gives us in this paragraph we just read some insights into ministry. You could almost have titled this, What It Means to Be a Minister. The first thing he says is that ministry is not easy. He talks about suffering. And he says, I, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Now, whether you're even a believer or not, you know that when you try to build into people's lives, if you're trying to mentor them, if you're trying to influence them, it's exhausting. People are exhausting. People will just flat wear you out. And I heard somebody say one time, you know, as Christians, we pray, Lord, use me, Lord, use me. And then people use us, you know, and, and we kind of get frustrated because ministry costs and exhausts. Building into people's lives is exhausting because people are exhausting. And again, that doesn't have anything to do with whether you're a Christian or not. It has to do with dealing with people and the challenges of dealing with people. Now, when Paul talks about filling up the sufferings of Christ, He's not talking about Christ's redeeming work on the cross. He's talking about the price that Jesus paid in his life before the cross. So what Paul's talking about here is the misunderstanding Christ suffered, the misrepresentation he suffered, the personal attack he suffered, the betrayal he suffered, the denial he suffered. Paul basically is saying, you need to understand, Christ suffered these things in his life. If you're going to try to emulate Christ by serving others and ministering to others, you're going to experience some of the same things. I, here's a great word of encouragement for all you ministers. Many decades ago, I heard a speaker say this to a group of pastors. If you've not had your Judas yet, You've not been in ministry very long. Well, thanks for the encouraging words. You know. but, but, you know, if you are involved in people's lives, again, Christian or not, if you're involved in people's lives, you're going to be betrayed, you're going to be denied, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be used and abused. I mean, that's just facts. It's not a bed of roses. That's why so many people kind of just live to themselves because it seems to be easier at the time. Ministry is not easy. However, for the believer, we have a very specific message that motivates our ministry. And the message is verse 27. Christ in you. 
Our message is not come to our church. Our message is not join our denomination. Our message is not spout our creed. I, I, I've gotten in trouble in the past in some churches uh, with, with the church board because I would say publicly, you know, if you're visiting with us and, and this is not what you're looking for in a church, if you'll see me after service and kind of tell me what you're looking for, I can give you some places to start looking. No, 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 no. You got to talk them into staying here. You know, no, don't ever talk people into staying when they want to go. But, you know, churches have personalities. Churches have different emphases. And, and we need to understand that the message that we have as a follower of Christ is not come to our church, join our thing. It's Christianity is a relationship with Christ. And if you will give your life to him, he is in you. And that's the hope of glory. It's what he says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. One translation says, I no longer live as I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There have probably been times in your life when you felt like, I can't live this Christian life by myself. You are correct. <laughs> and, and as you try to help other people find their way to Christ, they may say to you, I can't do this by myself. They will be correct. But that's our message, is you don't have to do it by yourself. Christ is in you. And that's the good news. That's our message. Our message isn't about us. Our message is about Christ and what he wants to do in you and through you and for you. And we must stay focused on him. Now, the message we have has both a positive side and a negative side. He, he lists some interesting words here in verse 28. We proclaim him. That means to declare a truth. It's not a word that means to preach in a formal setting. It means to just speak a truth. You're proclaiming when you say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You're proclaiming when you're in a conversation with somebody about something and you say, can I take a minute and, and, and talk to you a little bit about what I've learned about how God can help me with that? That's proclamation, telling the truth about Christ. And again, it's we proclaim him, not we proclaim us, we proclaim him. We admonish, that's the negative side to our message. It means to tell people when they need to straighten up. <laughs> now, you don't just go around willy-nilly doing that. But it means to, to warn people, to tell them about repentance. People look at that as kind of the negative side. On the other side, he says, we teach. And this is instruction in the faith. This is the positive side. This is believe. This is instruction in our faith. And, and this is the, the challenge of the balance of the Christian life. It's the challenge of ministry. 
is balancing the negative side of admonishment with the positive side of instruction in the faith and teaching. There are some churches that are for everything. There are other churches that are against everything. And, and so many times, if we're not careful, Christianity becomes known for what it's against. And Christianity is against some sin. You know? But we need to emphasize what we're for. You know, the, the faith and love and life of Christ in our lives. Warren Wiersbe put it this way, How far would we get in our travels if the highway signs just told us where we weren't going? <laughs> you know, we, and so it's not just enough to say, oh, don't do that, don't do that. What do we do? The, the teaching, the instruction in faith, the practical, this is how you live. And that's where the word wisdom comes in. That principle of a life of faith. It means the ability to apply God's truth to daily life. So that's what ministry is. Ministry is impacting people for Christ. It's involvement in their lives. It's telling them what Jesus did for you. It's sometimes, again, and you know, when you've been given the right to maybe speak a word of correction, but it has to do with explaining the faith, teaching the faith. Our privilege is to tell people, here's how God's word works in your daily life. And a lot of people don't think that the Bible has any relevance at all to life. And sometimes you hear people say, well, we need to make the Bible relevant. No, the Bible is relevant. Our responsibility is to help people see how the Bible is relevant to their daily lives. So this message of ours has both a positive and a negative side. Don't get out of whack. And, and how much today people need that encouragement, encouraging word, that instruction in the faith. I'm sure you've had discussions with people who thought they were an expert on the Bible, and you found out if you asked two or three questions, they never read it. You know, They're just going on what somebody else told them it said. And so part of ministry is letting people understand, that, no, 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 that's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible teaches it this way. That's the message. That's ministry and involvement in people's lives. Our goal is maturity. He, the, most translations, you know, translate the word perfect to present everyone perfect. But the word perfect there means mature. Uh, it's a word that means instructed. It's the word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, when he says, be ye perfect. Now, he's not talking about perfection in the human sense. He's talking about maturity. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says God gave these gifts and abilities to us so that we might become mature. And in case you're wondering what maturity is as far as God's definition, that's next week's lesson when we talk about what God says is maturity and how we can evaluate whether we're growing up in our faith. So tune in again next week. See, our goal is to be maturity. Our goal as a church, or let's put it this way, my goal as your pastor is that everyone who walks through that door, whether they're here for one Sunday and never come back, 
or they're here for two or three months, or this becomes their church home. My goal is that each week we will be given information and encouragement to help us move closer to God, wherever we are on that journey. So that if somebody comes in and they're not a believer, and they're not really sure about Christianity, they will be given information and encouragement that will help them continue their search toward God and their move toward God. In our statement of purpose, it says to present biblical truth in an understandable and believable way. Those two words took a lot of time to come up with <laughs> because sometimes it's not understandable, right? What did the preacher speak on? I'm not sure he ever got around to saying. You know, we, we, sometimes it's not understandable. And, and I take a lot of time to try to make sure that if somebody walks in with no biblical knowledge at all, they will at least have an understanding of what I said. They may not agree with it, they may not like it, but at least they'll be able to understand it. I, I, I won't be using, you know, church lingo and church language that they have no idea what I'm talking about. I want it to be understandable and I want it to be believable. You ever heard testimonies that weren't believable? I was homeless. I was living under the bridge. And then one day I prayed. And now I've got a $300,000 house. And I drive the top level Tesla. And I'm married to former Miss Georgia. And everything's great. Hadn't been sick a day in my life since then. It's not believable. you know. Come to Jesus and everything is perfect. Not believable. And so we try to be honest in our discussion of what the Christian life is all about so that people can believe it. Because if they can't believe what you're saying, they're not going to come back the second time to hear more about it. So we want to make sure that people who come in, if they're brand new to faith, that they'll be encouraged and given information to grow that if they've been serving God for decades, they will still be given information and encouragement to grow in their faith, to grow in the knowledge of God, to grow in their commitment to Him. That's our goal, is to help everyone get closer to that goal of maturity, of spiritual maturity, of living the life God wants us to live. How do you do that? Well, the strength of our ministry is Christ in me. Here is the glorious riches of this ministry. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then in verse 29, he says, To this end, presenting people mature in Christ, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Those are fascinating words Paul uses. He says, I labor. That word means work to the point of weariness and exhaustion. You know, it, it, it's a challenge to live the Christian faith. It's a challenge to build into people's lives. To this end, I labor, struggling. I'm going to give you the Greek word and then you can write down the English word because you'll know it right away. 
The Greek word, the New Testament was written in Greek. Paul was writing this letter in the Greek language in the first century. The Greek word is agonizomai. So you know he's talking about agony. <laughs> Thank you, preacher, for the encouraging words to become a minister. I'm going to work till I'm weary, and I'm going to be in agony. Well, I'm just telling you what you already know, right? But what's interesting is this word agonizomai, agony, is often used in the context of athletics. Uh, years ago when Brian was coaching, uh, I, would, I was the team chaplain for uh, uh, some years, and I loved Paul because the Apostle Paul was a sports fan. He used a lot of athletic analogies. He talks about wrestling. He talks about running the race. A lot of sports analogies Paul uses. And this is one of them. The agony of achieving the goal in athletics. Watch a football team running grass drills where they run 10 yards, the coach blows the whistle, they crawl 10 yards, they get up and run 10 yards, he blows the whistle, they crawl on their belly 10 yards. Why in the world would anybody do that voluntarily? But they do. And I remember one time picking Brian up after football practice, and I was watching those grass drills, and it had been one of those hot summer muggy days, and it had had one of those afternoon Georgia thunderstorms. And after the thunderstorm, they're back on the field running grass drills. I learned when you're picking up a child from football practice, have a blanket or something in the car for them to sit on or stick him in the back of the pickup, right? You know, because they're going to mess up your car. And I looked at him one time and I said, why in the world do you do this? And he looked at me like I had lost my mind. He said, because we want to win a championship. Wow. Paul says our goal is to help people mature in Christ. Sometimes that's going to take some hard work. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're doing grass drills. But the goal is I want to have people grow in their faith. I want to have people get closer to Christ. I want to have people that I work with, that I interact with on a fairly regular basis to know more about Jesus. And Paul says, what keeps me going is his energy. I love that. Paul says, you know, in, in my body, I'm struggling. In my body, I'm agonizing. But I am strengthened with his energy. His divine power. That's why he could say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he says, this energy of his so powerfully works in me. And that is the good news of ministry. The ministry is not dependent on your strength, your energy, your abilities, your smarts. Your ministry is dependent on Christ's energy powerfully working in you. There will be times as you are building into the lives of people that you'll hardly know what you're saying. You know, there's just like, there's a flow sometimes that comes in. That's God's power working in me and flowing out through me. Every person I meet is an opportunity to let God love through me. Every challenge I face 
is an opportunity to let Christ's power flow through me. Every temptation I face is an opportunity to let Christ be the way of escape. Every question I have is an opportunity to let Christ be the truth. He is in me and he is at work through me. And I am able to make a difference in people's lives because of his energy. We talked last week that the resurrection power is available to us. That resurrection power flows in our veins too. And it's his energy that keeps us going. Instead of focusing on, man, this is weary, <laughs> focus on God's power is working in me. The energy of God, the resurrection power of God is available to powerfully work in me. The easiest way to get frustrated and burn out as you try to help people is try to do it in your own strength. Guaranteed where you slap out. But the most encouraging, exhilarating way to make a difference in people's lives is to allow the power of Christ to so powerfully work in you. Are you already tired of the Energizer Bunny commercial? Man, they've been going on forever. I guess like the battery's supposed to be, right? But boy, there's an energy, there's an energy that's more energetic than the Energizer Bunny, and that's the resurrection power and energy of Christ that works in us to give us the strength to take the next step, to give us the strength after we've you ever invested a lot in people's lives and then they just kind of disappeared and go back to the way they used to live? Well, what keeps you going to the next one is the energy of God, the power of God, and the reminder that our goal, it's not about us, it's about Him. It's about pointing people to Jesus and the difference He can make in their lives. So yes, you're a minister. You may not have the most holy reverend in front of your name, but you're a minister. And God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. Many, many years ago, when, when I would get ideas and think they were great without being able to think them through, you, know, you ever had that time in your life where, oh, this would be great, and then you wake up and say, oh my, that's not going to work. Well, I had this idea trying to emphasize and, and what I wanted to do was demonstrate to the, the church members that I really believed that your job is the platform from which God wants to minister through you to where you are, that what I wanted to do, and it's still a good idea, it's just not practical. What I wanted to do was with the permission of the people, go to their job site and actually pray over them in their job site. You know, when, when a minister, when a pastor is ordained, you know, they take him to the church and they lay hands on him. And, and I thought, you know, I could go to these different people's places of work and have prayer over them as, as kind of an anointing that this is your mission field. This is your place of ministry. 
and, and do this in the power of God. And I realized, I, I asked one of my people about that, and the look on their face was, oh, please, please, Jesus, don't let him do that. You know? so, okay. You know, and of course, I couldn't get into half the places where you all work. Um, but I want you to take that concept, and maybe as you're sitting in your car before you go into work, assuming you've got enough time and you're not running late, just sit in that car and say, Lord, you know, I'm getting ready to go into the ministry. You know, I'm getting ready to go into my mission field. Go with me. And I heard somebody say, it's not that we take Jesus with us, it's that he's taking us with him as he goes into our places of work, our places of ministry. And, and, and I just encourage you, as aggravating as work is, as frustrating as work can be, as irritating as people can be, please know, God has them in your life and you in their life to help them find their way closer to God. And if we can approach each day like that, when I leave this person, will they be more apt to be more interested in Christ? Or will they be more apt to just say there's nothing to it? I heard somebody say uh, on a podcast the other day, I really don't subscribe to any particular thing that comes from a book or a mythology. I'm just trying to be a good person. Well, okay, we're going to preach about that in a couple of weeks. But they said in the course of that discussion, it was a, a lady speaking, she said, I dated two guys that were both involved in their local churches. One was a youth pastor and something else. She says, what I learned is what they talked about and how they behaved were two different things. <laughs> and there's just too much of that going on in the world, right? And we need to allow the beauty of Jesus, the love of Jesus, to show through us and shine through us. Yes, there is the admonishing from time to time, but let's make sure that we are accurate representations of Christ to the people we come in contact with. Father, that's a challenge because sometimes we're just tired and we don't feel like being bothered. And, and we need to be reminded that each interaction we have has the potential to make an eternal difference in someone's lives. So help us, Father, to allow your energy, I love that, your energy to powerfully flow through us to make us more than conquerors in our own lives and then to make us effective ministers as we witness to others this is what Jesus has done for me now Lord we're living in a society where we have to be careful how we do it so I pray for wisdom I pray for guidance I pray that we would know when to speak up and we would know when to shut up that we would know the right things to say at the right time and in the right way to bring glory and not dishonor to your name. We sang earlier today, in my life, Lord, be glorified. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. Go in peace.